This morning of being and today being Trinity Sunday, I want to talk about experiencing God as he truly is. Experiencing God as he truly is. And what he is, is Holy Trinity. Now, experiencing God as Holy Trinity, as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is central to uh, us experiencing God as believers in Jesus Christ. And that's because God is Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now, others, uh, when they think about God, may think about God differently. Uh, but God, in point of fact, uh, is a trinity of persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and that no more and no less. Indeed, the revelation of God that we have in the person of Jesus Christ is at every turn uh, a Trinitarian one. And this Trinitarian revelation of God is the revelation of God that the apostles themselves also proclaim. In addition, uh, that God is a Trinitarian of uh, Trinitarian, uh, excuse me, a Trinity of persons, uh, seems also to be hinted at, as we'll see in a little bit more detail in the Old Testament in various places, and and all of this has been handed down to us. This Trinitarian faith are uh, to be received and to be believed, indeed to be experienced, and to be passed on to others. But that God is a trinity of persons is a conundrum to some people, uh, even though it needn't be. Uh, simply put, and this is how we might say, uh, might put it, and, may, and I hope that this is helpful, and that is that, the, uh, that that category of existence that we call God or the divine is shared equally by three persons, and three persons only, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's interesting, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. This is what Jesus himself called God, uh, which is why we do the same, by the way, in our liturgies. Uh, in, in, in this liturgy, as we, as we did, blessed be God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, because that's God's name, <laughs> Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And why do I say that? Well, we take that from Jesus. Jesus taught us of that truth. In fact, in the Great Commission in Matthew chapter uh, 28 and verses 19 and 20, that's exactly what Jesus says. Uh, you're familiar with the passage, but maybe you didn't notice this bit about it. Uh, but anyway, Matthew 28 and beginning at verse 19, and Jesus says, after his resurrection and before he ascended to the Father and left the mission to us, he said, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name Notice he doesn't say names, he doesn't say baptize them in the names, but he says baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. The name of God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them, Jesus says, to observe all that I've commanded you, and behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Or Jesus at his baptism, all three of the members of the Trinity are present there as well, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so we read in that same uh, Gospel of Matthew, Gospel of uh, Matthew uh, at chapter 3 in this instant, chapter 3 and beginning at verse 16. And we read, and when Jesus, he's the Son, when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up out of the water. 
and behold, the heavens were opened and he saw the spirit. So we have the son and the spirit, the spirit of God descending like a dove and resting upon him and behold a voice from heaven. Well, whose voice? Well, the father's voice. Indeed, notice what the what the voice says. This is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. And so Jesus, the son is there. The spirit is there. And there's the father speaking and saying, this is my beloved son and whom I'm well pleased. Or even in the Old Testament, there's hints that speak of the plurality, even the, the trifold nature of God. And so we read in Genesis chapter one, for instance, in verse 26, and God says, let us make man, us, <laughs> which speaks of plurality. Let us make man in our image and our likeness. Or in Genesis chapter 18, where the, the patriarch Abraham has an experience of Yahweh, of God, and, and, and notice the threeness that is represented in the text. It says uh, at Genesis 18 and beginning at verse one, and the Lord appeared, the Lord Yahweh appeared to him, to Abraham by the oaks of Mamre. And he sat at the door, as he sat at the door of his tent in, in the heat of the day. And he lifted up his eyes and he looked and behold, three men were standing in front of him. And when he saw them, he ran from the tent tent door to meet them and bowed himself to the earth and said, Oh Lord, if I have found favor in your sight, do not pass your servant by. Why three men? Or in Isaiah's uh, chapter six in Isaiah's famous beatific vision of God, we read beginning at verse one, Isaiah six, he says, and in the, the year that the, that King Uzziah, one of the kings of Judah died, I, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne high and lifted up and the train of his robe filled the temple and above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings with two, he covered his face and with two, he covered his feet and with two, he flew these angelic beings. And one called to another and said, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The Lord of hosts is three times holy. I wonder why. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And so in the Old Testament and the gospels, Jesus's own words in the name of the Father, Son and Holy Spirit, and this triune understanding of God is also found in the teachings of the apostles in the book of Acts and, and, and the, the, the letters of the apostles and so on. And the book of Revelation, our most famous, I suppose, uh, might be the Trinitarian blessing of the apostle Paul, as we have it recorded for us in the second uh, letter of the Corinthians to the Corinthians, chapter 13 and, and, and verse 14. In which the apostle Paul says, and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God, that's a reference to the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And so this much can be understood that, that this divine category of existence that we call God is comprised of three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Or uh, as I heard uh, uh, Hank Hanegraaff say recently in a, 
a video on uh, YouTube, a lecture. Uh, God is one what and three who. God is one what and three who are one thing, one uh, category of existence and three persons. And we don't have to understand everything there is to understand about the Trinity in order to receive it and believe it and be and experience the Father, Son and Holy Spirit and to share that truth with others. Indeed, there's lots of things uh, that we know something about and yet not everything, things that we still believe in and are affected by, for instance, atoms. In fact, we're made of atoms or gravity. And we don't know all there is to know about either of those things, perhaps less about gravity than what we know about atoms. And yet that's the first thing that uh, God as Holy Trinity, a trinity of persons is a conundrum, a, a confusing thing uh, in the mind of some, but that needn't be the case. Indeed, God the Holy Spirit, excuse me, God the Holy Trinity doesn't want us to be confused. God has created us in his image. And so God is a plurality, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In fact, you might even call it a community. And us being created in God's image, uh, we, we are too. We are plurality. And that is so that we might have fellowship with one another. Indeed, if there was only just one of us, there wouldn't be any place or any, we wouldn't have, there wouldn't be a, a chance uh, to have fellowship or be community with one another. And so God created us in a plurality, even as a, uh, to experience fellowship with one another, even as, even as the Trinity experiences fellowship. You think about that. Even before creation, God has existed eternally as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And they have been in communion with one another all that time, if we may use the word time, <laughs> to apply to eternity prior to the creation of all created things. And we also are created in his image so that we too might be taken up ourselves into the fellowship of the Holy Trinity. As someone has written, the point of the Christian life is not making God a part of our life, but God making us a part of his. That's the ultimate Christian experience. In fact, when that's happening, then everything is everything else is happening just as it should. When I'm taken up and I'm living in communion with this triune God. That is to say that the Christian life is not about me inserting God into the things that I'm doing, but the Christian life is about God inter, inter, inserting you and me into what he is and what he is doing. And it's this same God, this same Trinitarian God, who became one of us and the person of the Son that we might experience God. Perhaps we might say in the way that we experience most things, namely in the flesh, God became this God in the person of the Son, became one of us. He took on human nature, human flesh. And so we read famously in John's Gospel, chapter one, beginning at verse one, in the beginning was the word, the logos, 
Logos is a, was a word that the Greeks used to to try to identify or provide an explanation for why everything worked the way that it did in the universe. And John said that that's a great word to use to 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 identify Christ, the Son. In the beginning was Jesus, the Logos. When the beginning began, He was there. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God, the God, the father. That, by the way, is divine fellowship. In the beginning was the word and the word was with the father. And, and the word was God, the word, Jesus, the son, the second person of the Trinity. He's divine. And he was in the beginning with the father. Verse three, and all things were made through him. And without him was not anything made that was made. So the father creates, the son creates. And by the way, the scriptures teach us that the spirit creates too. In fact, one of, you, one of the things that you find in the scriptures is that they're always um, um, uh, cooperating with one another and the things uh, that they seek to do and accomplish. And then it says in verse 14 of John chapter one, and the word Jesus became flesh. And he dwelt among us and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. In verse 18, and no one has ever seen God, that is to say the father, but the only God who is at the father's side. Notice that Jesus is referred as the only God who's at the father's side. He has made him known this is also the son who takes away the sins of the world in fact in this same gospel of john this is how john the baptist identified jesus in john chapter 1 and verse 29 we read and john that is john the baptist saw jesus coming toward him and he said in particular to the john's own disciples behold the lamb of god who takes away the sins of the world and this is the son in whom we believe and by whom we're saved. And so when you come to the third chapter of John, in fact, that was part of our reading this morning from the gospel of John. John's gospel, chapter three and verse 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. The father so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him, whoever believes in the son should not perish. That is be doomed, but rather have everlasting life. And this is the son who shows us the father. And so when we come to the 14th chapter of John, we read this little bit of dialogue and Jesus's response to Philip because Philip said, had said to Jesus, Jesus, show us the father and we'll all be satisfied. And then we read in John chapter 14 and verse 9, and Jesus said to Philip, Philip, have I been with you so long and you still don't know me? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? You wouldn't see anything different, Philip, than what you're seeing in me. I am God, the second member of the triune Godhead come to you in human flesh. And we all are the same in our character, in our being, in our desire, in our values. We're all on the same page. And you wouldn't see anything different if the father had taken on human flesh. 
And this is the son who sends us the Holy Spirit. This is the this is the son who asked the father of the Trinity to send the, the Holy Spirit of the Trinity because the second member of the Trinity, the son is going away. And so we read in John chapter 14 and beginning at verse 16. He says to the to the disciples and I will ask the father because I'm going away. I will ask the father and he will give you another helper. I'm your helper now, but he'll give you another helper. And it's very interesting in the Greek, the word another. There's two words for another heteros and alos. The word here is alos, which means another of the same kind. And so this was very, this figured uh, large uh, when uh, the, the church was trying to hammer out its own theology of the Holy Spirit. That if, if the son is God, like the father is God, and then Jesus says, I'm going to send you another helper that's just like me, then the spirit must be God as well. And he is. I will ask the father and he will send you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you and he will be in you. In verse 26 of that same chapter, and the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the father will send in my name, will teach you all things. He will teach you all things, perhaps even things about the nature of the triune God. It was Rob Bell in his book, Velvet Elvis, who wrote, God is the ultimate reality. God is the ultimate reality. There's nothing more beyond God, which might seem extraordinarily transcendent. And it is. And yet it's the 17th century philosopher and theologian Blaise Pascal who said famously that inside every person, every man, every woman, is a God-shaped hole. And so if you've ever wondered what was the relationship between the triune God and what we need, there you have it. <laughs> that there's nothing greater than God. And yet inside each of our, each one of us is a God-shaped hole that can't be filled or satisfied with anything but God. In fact, John Burke in his book, Soul Revolution was talking about this very idea when he wrote this, that no, no human being or material thing can ever satisfy our deepest longings because God has hardwired us for himself first. And then it was Brennan Manning who said famously that God loves us and loves you so much that he'd rather die than live without you. And so it's not just us who are in need of this God. It, 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 it is this God who wants us. And that God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That God is the God that loves you. And that's the God that you and I need. And so I wonder if this morning, you would surrender all that you are and all that you have, the whole of your being, and let this triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, be Lord and Master of your life, knowing God as he truly is, 
Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Let us pray. You are a wonder, Lord. You are extraordinary. Who is like you? Indeed, that's often what the prophets said when the people were getting bogged down in idolatry and serving one God or another. They would cut down a tree and then cut down, then cut that tree in half, and half of that, half of it, they would use uh, to to cook their food, and then the other half they would use to make a god and cover it over with silver or gold and bow down to it and say, "You are my maker." And you would say through the prophets, those aren't gods. And who is like me? I know all the stars by name. I've created the heavens. And yet I've created you in my image and likeness. And I want you with all my heart. It's a story, it seems, that I, I don't know how anyone could come up with it and, and, and make it up. I don't know how anybody could make it, make it up, that it would be a lie. It must be the truth. <laughs> Indeed, it is the truth. Lord, I pray that this extraordinary truth might take root in each one of us. That the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, you, Lord, would have your way in our lives. That we would know freedom from anxiety. That we would know joy and holiness. That we would know hope as we look toward the future, no matter what might be going on around us. Knowing that nothing can defeat you. And if we have been taken up into communion with you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, as the psalmist said, what can man do to me? And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.